Welcome to the lair. That was just for you, dude. You wanted a new one. This is what you get. Hey, I appreciate that was on the fly too. No, no, like pregame and trying to figure it out. I liked it. Do you think I could be like some sort of sound effect guy with the way? Have I you seen it? those professional beatboxers? That's what I know, dude. It's something else. They what about are, those dudes who them. do like acapella, but they're like all they just make the sound of they're the like band, tapping like, their cheeks? Yeah, that's so impressive to me. I wish I could do something like that. I wish I had any skill. I don't have a ton of skill <laughs> at anything. <laughs> anyway, it's like I'm a like a jack jack of all trades, master of none. Yep. I don't know how the re- there's more to that saying. Yeah. Like a lot of people just stop right there, but I think there's another half. That was just the first half. I don't even know how it goes. I have a buddy uh, at work and he's always, I'm always like, dude, you're really good at this stuff. He's like, I'm not good at anything. I'm mediocre at everything. Yeah, decent. Just <laughs> decent. dude, decent. So funny. Right on, bud. How was your week, man? Dude, pretty good, man. Uh, feeling better, finally. Yeah, and you've been, dude, you've been on the, it's like you've been on the mend for weeks and really not, no mending has taken place. A little mending. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're feeling better, dude. Thanks, man. It's about time. Uh, it always feels like it's false, though. Like it's a false flag, you know, like, oh, yeah, I feel yeah, yeah. better. But then tomorrow I'll be like, oh, I'm not any better. Yeah. Are you, do you turn into like, like you know, when like, do you turn into like a big baby? And like, <sighs> I'm a big old baby when I get sick. I'll yeah. admit it. I'm a huge baby and I just want to sleep. I'm like, leave me alone. I'm going yeah. to bed. That's hard being sick. I hate it's being hard. sick. It's, it's hard being man sick. It's hard. Yeah. It's what tough. do they call it? A man cold? <clears throat> I, yeah, I guess. So funny. All right. Um, dude, I didn't do too much this week. This week was just like, uh, oh, dude, I did get good news about my back. For those of you. Oh, in, yeah. Tune, for those of you tuning in for, you know, the old comic book dad's back issues. Um, <laughs> which probably nobody is for this, but I will just say, um, I saw two doctors the other day and they both said, Hey, we're going to, you know, release you slowly for normal activities. Everything pickleball? seems to be, dude. Now, listen, I can't go join a pickleball tournament, but I can like play a pickleball game. I got to ease it. Careful. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I got to ease into everything back to normal. They said, so they, they looked at me and they're like, I don't want you out there. Like, I better not see you. You know, at the next pickleball tournament over the weekend, because dude, pickleball's the bee's knees around here. And right now, since the weather's getting cool, I live so mm. close to the to this huge pickleball complex. Like literally, not like maybe a couple hundred yards. I'm I'm really close to it. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm up at like five five thirty. I get a cup of coffee, go outside, check my garden, and in the back, if I'm sitting there just still, I can hear people playing pickleball. No way. I hear the sound just. I'll hit the oh ball, bounce gosh. around the paddles, and I just get pumped. So pickleball is going; it's huge right now. It's the season, uh, so I can start playing slowly. Maybe a game, like a game or two a week. Uh, so I'm going to start getting back out there on the old courts. You're the man. Watch dude. out, uh, anybody around my neighborhood. Better watch out. Watch out for the beast. I'm, cu- I'm, and it, dude, it's my birthday soon, and uh, I'm hoping for maybe a new paddle. I don't know. My wife keeps asking me, "What do you want for your birthday?" And I'm like, "I don't like." I don't need like I don't know. I'm not you a big, already got you already got all you needed with the yeah, bad like day, I, one bad day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I don't need a ton of stuff. I'm I'm a pretty simple guy and so she keeps asking me and I'm just like, I don't know. So I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll throw a pickleball paddle out there and then I'll be just slapping that ball around. 
Right on, bro. I'm really happy that is that you're feeling better, man. Oh, dude, it, it was honestly like it was tough. Like physically sucked. Started messing with me like mentally because then you know it gets in my head. I'm just mm-hmm. like, dude, I'm gonna be broke back forever. Anyways, dude. Um, I just want to say today is something that um I don't think I ever thought was gonna happen when you and I started this uh cool little podcast nope. we got going on, but um we get an amazing opportunity today to uh, do our first interview. And not only is it our first interview, but it is with uh, Tyler Crook, one of our favorite um, creators out there. Um, mm-hmm. and specifically, we're going to be talking about loans. We'll probably be talking about a lot of stuff, but mainly Lonesome Hunters is current stuff that he's working on solo. Um, huge solo project for him. And um, man, it, it's one of my favorite books uh, from last year, the, the first arc, and this arc just continues to be fantastic. So just tell everybody what we get to do. Yeah, we got to chat with Tyler. We did a lot of chatting about process of creating a book, what that's like, just what it's like to be a creator in this space or the pressure that's entailed with being a creator and putting yourself out there. And uh, a lot of questions around around Lonesome Hunters and the characters um, that Tyler got to create. and what loneliness is and how grief and trauma uh, kind of inform that or impact that and uh, what we have to look forward to for for the rest of the story and and how a lot of the elements play out in Lonesome Hunters. And uh, it was a ton of fun, man. I had a ton of fun chatting with Tyler. Oh, it was super fun. I will say I do want to apologize. I mean, no one's watching us, you know, but uh, I want to apologize again to Tyler. For some reason, my video feed probably was the most distracting thing ever. It was so funny. And I was dying laughing because you guys probably couldn't see me. But as we're talking, I'm like frozen, looking like a robot. And Tyler like mimicked it. And it was hysterical. Uh So So, funny. uh, Tyler, I apologize for that. Um, I don't know what was going on. That's embarrassing on my part. Yeah, I gotta be that's better. all good, man. It's not but your fault. It was funny. It made for some some fun times for sure. Yeah. So it was a fun conversation conversation with Tyler. We hope we hope everybody enjoys it. Uh anyway, without further ado, as they say. That's a drum roll, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here's the interview. What's up, Tyler? We're stoked to have you here today. Thanks for joining our show. We're stoked you're here. We're stoked you're here to chat lonesome hunters it made both of our top five lists uh, last year and i'm pretty sure based on pre-discussions that the wolf child is also in the top five we're stoked to have you here how you doing hey i'm doing really good yeah i'm having a very chill day today you're in uh portland right portland area no well we're like an about an hour and a half two hours south of portland oh kind of in the middle of no place i want to retire up there that's that's like the the pacific northwest is my dream so one mm-hmm. day maybe we could be neighbors. I'm not. We'll see how this goes, and then at the end you could tell me if you'll accept my me being right. a neighbor or not. There's a lot of um, like a lot of Oregon got built out, like rural Oregon got built out. Um, you know when everyone was on stagecoaches still. So it's mm. like every 15 miles there's a tiny little town that's like mm. basically how far you could go in a stagecoach in a day. And so yeah, there's oh, like that's cool. there's yeah, so yeah. many like cool little towns all over the t- place. And we were like really lucky though to find a nice little town that like everything's walkable and like everyone's super chill and yeah yeah. Have you been up there uh, most of your adult life? Did you grow up there? No, we moved here in 2013, I think, and we've sort oh, of been okay. all over Oregon for a while before we were we found a place we wanted to buy a house and sort of settle down. Right on. Yeah, I need a sleepy little town like that. I've got to get out of the city. 
<laughs> yeah. I, He's in I, Phoenix. I lived in San Diego for most of my life, it seems like, or at least most of my adult life. And uh, I thought I'd never leave because, like, the weather's perfect in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, yeah. it had just about everything I ever needed. And um, But as soon as we moved to Oregon and started getting, like, all this, like, wild weather, I'm like, whoa, I was missing out. Like, <laughs> I'm glad to have rain and, you know, winter. Yeah. Like, we had a little bit of yeah, snow, but yeah. not too bad and stuff. A, a change of the seasons is much appreciated. But really quick, speaking of San Diego, are you a beach guy at all? A little bit. I like going out to the beach. Are you man? I hate the beach. I live. I'm like you're not I'm a right beach here. guy at all, dude. I'm right here. I'm like a mile away from the beach, and I'm like, see, that does nothing for me. I I'm not a sand guy. I don't like that it gets everywhere. I'm yeah. too weird. I like yeah. I like I like the ocean a lot, and yeah. uh, Oregon beaches are like are bonkers because they're just so like lots of you know cliffs and then pine trees mm. right up to the water, and Fancy. but it's always like. Like you would get, like you can get hypothermia in the summer. Yeah, you're freezing out, here. out there. Yeah, and and they have uh, what they call sneaker waves, where you'll be like walking down the beach, you know, just having fun, and then a, a wave will come up twenty feet higher up onto the beach than any other wave and grab you. What? Nope. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. We've had some bad experience with some waves. I'm out of there. Well, oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I, I like I like the ocean a lot, and I like the um the Oregon Ocean is 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 real pretty. Yeah. That's cool. Um, well, Ray and I have been friends pretty much since freshman year of high school and we've yep, stayed yep. in contact and we usually start our show and some, some people love it. Some people don't, but we like to just catch up on our week. So we thought it'd be kind of interesting to ask you, like, what's a normal week look like for you? How are you occupying your days? What do you do for fun outside of, uh, I know you've got a lot going on even on your YouTube channel. <laughs> I don't, yeah, man. Like I, I think most cartoonists life is pretty, pretty dull because so much of it just like being a cartoonist is really sort of demanding on your time. Mm. And so like my, my typical day is sort of like wake up at seven and then I usually am real slow to get going. Like I'll do a little bit of like, I'll lots of times I'll go for a walk around town and try to get a little bit of exercise and eat my breakfast and get all woke up and ready. And then I try to be at my desk at about 10 to start drawing. And man, lately it seems like, I sit down at my desk at 10 and I do emails until lunchtime. And then once I'm done with emails, I go eat my lunch and then I come back and I can sit down and draw for until like six or seven at night, you know, depending on my deadline. Sometimes it's much later than that, but, and sometimes it's less than that. Yeah. Was like being a cartoonist in like an art, was that always a passion of yours or did you get into it for the love of storytelling and you found a means to get your story across is how you got like what came first uh definitely art came first um before like the sort of writing and storytelling stuff i always wanted to be an artist since i was a little kid there was a show on my local pbs called uh secret city with commander mark and um he just had this show where he you know he would teach kids how to draw in perspective that was like his big main focus was teaching you how to draw like a a cube that you could mm-hmm. look around from any angle or a sphere or whatever. And um, I was like in the third grade and I completely lost my mind for that show and was like just obsessed with it. And that dude, um, uh, what's his real, his full name is like Mark Kistler, I think. He does a lot of comic shows nowadays. And um, I got to meet him in real life a couple oh, of years cool. back and it was like awesome. Yeah. Um, but I had, at the same time, I had a PE teacher 
in this was in the third grade still, who was going to art school. Um, and he was just doing PE like as a part-time job or whatever. And the he would come in art school. Yeah. And he came into um to our class and like gave a couple little art lessons. Like he taught us how to draw horses and stuff like that. I always hear that's like the hardest one to draw. Yeah. Well, he had this like great little formula where it's like you draw a circle and then you sort of stick a cone off the front. It was like a horse's head was what he taught us to draw. Yeah, yeah. And um, but it was just like a the combo of those two experiences really got me hooked on on doing art. And then I was like, I was all done. And you know, and comics came a little bit after that, even because and it was because of the art that I really like started really getting into comics was just seeing all the amazing artwork. I don't know if it's like a a neurodivergent thing that I have or what. But I usually like to try to uh, have a job that's related to a passion I have. And everyone always tells me, don't make your passion your job because it'll kill your passion. So how do you, how do you keep <laughs> your passion for art alive if you're um, doing it day yeah, in and Especially day out like how that. long you're sitting at the desk. Yeah. It's with comics, it's easy for me. Like, because like the passion is strong enough that um, I can. You know, it just doesn't get old for me. You know, like, mm. I think comics is one of those things where it's like, it's easy to draw a comic and it's like impossible to draw a good comic. You know, like you can just look at a comic and you can see all the mechanics are laid bare for you. Like there's no secret about how a comic book is made really. But um, being able to make it so that it's good is like really, really challenging. And it's something that like, like that thing where it's attainable, but really difficult to master is has yeah. been really like that's one of my I don't know that like gets me going like yeah. that challenge is nice but uh, you know I've also did like um I didn't get into comics until I was 35 was when I got my first contract mm. so I was like and I'd been working in art that whole time like I I started my first art job was doing um kids t-shirts for a company called Jungle Rags and um and I did that and I did like graphic design. I did yellow pages ads. I designed really? those for a while. Yeah. yeah. I did a lot of web page design stuff. Um, I did video games for like 12 years. So like I did art stuff this whole time. So I was like doing stuff that I wasn't really passionate about, um, but was like close enough to it that it like that it kept me sort of, you know, feeling engaged in art. And in some yeah. ways it was, it was bad to do that because it kept me, it was like close enough to what I wanted to do that it kept me from pursuing doing comics. Uh, when it, when it comes to all those different types of art that you were just mentioning, like you, you have like stuff that you're doing on, on computers and, and tablets and um, you know, your pen and paper, your paintbrush and paper, like obviously it looks like your, your favorite, it's gotta be, with the paintbrush, right? Or oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, like yeah, I yeah, I get really tired in front of a computer. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And and I especially my very first book, um, I was working full time making video games, and then I'd come home and draw comics at night and on the weekends. And if I had to come home and sit in front of a computer, like I would have never been able to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My 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 hard time is I like I I really love comic book art. I love art, but have you ever seen The Office? Yeah. <laughs> I always get really worried about talking about art because I don't know if you remember the the episode where Roy goes to see Pam's art show and he's trying his best and I think to to mm -hmm. be there for her and his explanation is your art is the prettiest art of all the art. Like I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my vocabulary can't really get to to where it should be to to talk about it but um 
I, I always get really self-conscious that that's how I'm going to come across as like Roy to Pam. <laughs> yeah. It's the prettiest yeah. art. <laughs> I feel that, you know, I've been trying really hard to do um, when I post stuff nowadays to put in the alt text, like when I put stuff on social media. And um, it's always hard to know where the line is because I'll post a picture and like, I've sort of gotten to where I'm just like trying to put as much information. So whoever is like, if someone's can't see very well, they can at least know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. But it's like so tempting to like post, you know, if I'm posting a Frazetta painting, I, you know, I might just put in the alt text, like this is a Frazetta painting, but I'm tempted to be like, this is Conan savagely tearing <laughs> apart his opponents <laughs> in a beautiful, like brown ochre color scheme. You know what I mean? And really dig into it. But that's fine. Yeah. It's describing art is, um, yeah, it's I should have taken my art history and art classes a lot more seriously, but I have no skill, no talent. None. I remember one time in high school, I saw Ray here. He drew mm. a wol- he Mm-mm. drew a Wolverine, <laughs> and it was probably just mediocre, but it blew my mind. And I it told him it wasn't even mediocre. And I told him this to his face. I was like, "Dude, we need to create a comic book." <laughs> but we never we gave up very quickly because we realized that I can't draw for a lick, and we were like, "Okay, let's shelf this idea." It wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. And there's people who can't draw very well who like make comics all the time and make good comics even. I mean, like Gary Panter, like that dude can barely like draw, but he's, he makes like crazy good (laughs) comics, you know? Yeah. Um, Before we get too far away from Lonesome Hunters, I just want to ask one question because we love your art and I recently got into magic. So I've been playing magic a ton Mm -hmm. and I've seen you, you've like done the artwork for like, I think four magic cards, maybe. And they, I just want to buy them just because I think they're rad. I think there's a three or four. I think I have five now. Five? Okay. And um, I was showing a friend of them uh, the, the the art on them the other day. And I was like, I don't even know if these would go good in my deck because I still don't <laughs> know magic too well, but I'm getting these because I love them. And uh, they're super neat. How did you, how did you like get into that? Um, They called me. And I think really? it was because um, there was a sales guy at um, Dark Horse that... Um, Worked with us on Harrow County, and um, so I ha- ended up hanging up with out with him at conventions and stuff like that, and, and we're on good terms. And then he quit and went to Magic for a little while, and I think he may have—I don't know for sure—but I think he may have um, put my name in name nice in the hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Steve Suna that did that, and I. Um, so I think that may be where they um, where they heard about me. Or they may have just seen my comics and gave, gave me yeah, a call. Yeah, well, they're fantastic, yeah. and I love them. Um, I I, I want to get them for sure. Like I said, I don't know if they work in my deck, but they're cool. He's gonna yeah, have them guy. in there anyway. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. put them in there anyway. I don't care. Just oh, so man. when you when you pull the card, you be like, I interviewed him. Yeah, I got I'm to just talk gonna to I'm gonna put exile this card. It doesn't work. I'm just throwing it out. Just <laughs> yeah, I still like. I'm not my, I'm not a magic player, and I have tried. And uh, man, like, well, I have a I have like an aversion to board games. Anyway, mm. like if the instructions take longer than about yeah. you know, three minutes to get through, <laughs> yeah. I'm like yep. ready to flip the table over. Yeah. yeah. And Magic is one of those games where it's like it takes 10 minutes to explain the rules mm-hmm. and then it takes 10 minutes per card because yes, each card breaks every say. rule. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, it's it's yeah. not really for me. But I will say that the um, working with those guys, like the art directors on on at uh that magic are amazing. Like they're really fun to work with. All right. That's cool. Yeah. I just wanted to sidebar for a second because um, I love them and um, you're absolutely right. Like i watch watched a couple guys that have been playing for a long time and they get through games so quick and I'm still on my first turn and I'm just like, yeah. I don't know what this card <laughs> even does, but that that's very cool. 
I played it a couple times where I had like a buddy sitting with me telling me what games, what cards to play. Yeah, yeah. And it's been like kind of fun. And then as soon as I try to do it on my own, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. lost. Oh, yeah. I always need someone there to yeah. like regulate the match. Like, okay, tell us what to do next because I don't know what yeah. this card even does. <laughs> Pretty cool though. Um, I, I'm ready to, to hop into Lonesome Hunters, but a question that we got on our on our Discord group I think kind of fits before we jump into the story as the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you've answered a thousand times, but but for our sake and for some of our listeners, like, how did you develop your style? Was it something you found? It's very distinct in the comic mm-hmm. book world as far as I'm concerned. And uh, how did you develop it? And I guess as a follow-up, at the time, did you get any kind of pushback on it? Were people like, whoa, this is a little weird? Or was it like openly like, dude, this is like when the first time we read or saw something you did, we were like, dude, this is it. (laughs) Well, it definitely took like where I'm at now has taken a long time to develop. Um, But I do remember there was a moment. So there's a moment in my 30s, like about when I turned 30, where I sort of realized I wasn't as good of an artist as I thought I was. And um, I started going to do uh, figure drawing every week and, you know, we'd have a, a model and sit around mm-hmm. and, and do our draw- drawings and paintings and stuff. And I started doing a lot of watercolor with that um, just because I thought it was fun and challenging and stuff. Um, so that's where I sort of developed a lot of my watercolor stuff. But then there was also like, I remember a distinct moment when I was drawing one day and like, I just started drawing this face and there was something about the way like the lines fit my hand, like just this little motion of like making these lines that just felt really, really good. And um, I just spent like weeks sort of drawing like that, trying to keep that, that flow. And that was sort of like the basis. Like I couldn't even really point at an example of like what that line is nowadays, but like that was sort of like the basis of where I felt like I started to develop a real style because I was stopped trying to draw the way I thought a drawing should look or the way I or trying to draw like somebody else that I liked a lot. And instead I was like Mm. really sort of chasing this, um, just this physical feeling of like what it felt like to draw these certain kinds of marks and stuff. And then that got, you know, built upon and built upon. And I learned, you know, I got better with my storytelling stuff, which has really, um, which is sort of like an outside influence on the, this drawing style, you know? And, um, yeah, it sort of came like that. And, it, you know, it's one of those things. It's like as soon as I started drawing in a way that felt really natural, it's like, like, I remember, you know, my partner came home one night from work and I had to pull out my pages that I'd been working on. And I was like, do I even have a style? What? Like, <laughs> I can't tell anymore. Is this a style or is this? It just looks like something I would do. Like, and they were like, you know, Tyler's being a weirdo. Yes, you have a style. <laughs> I feel like I could ask you so many process questions and fill up the whole hour, but I know that that's not why why we're necessarily here. I'm happy um, to talk about process, though, man. Like it's one of those one of those things where you sit at home working on this stuff and thinking about your process yeah. all day, mm. every day, and it's like really nice to for someone to be like, "Hey, Tyler, tell me about that thing that you're completely obsessed with that you do right, all day, yeah. every day." Um, w- I have a question, if you don't mind jumping in. So to kind of break away from art, you mentioned like working on like storytelling and all that. When Mm -hmm. it comes to the Lonesome Hunters, like, do you have your, like a complete story, like finished start to end, like in your brain? And then like, if you do, as you're going through the process, 
and you're drawing, does, will something like pop in your head and be like, oh, I'm changing this? Or are you sticking straight to what you've got? Like, how, how does that process right. look or what does it look like? It, um, well, I definitely have like a complete like epic story for, for um, Lonesome Hunters and where that's going to go. And then yes. when I, like when I write a, a story arc, I usually have a, a good idea of like the beginning and the end. And then a few sort of tent poles in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then I start just like trying to get from one to the next to the next. And um, and it's always just sort of a, a problem solving thing of like, if if they're here at the end, it's like, what would what would cause that to happen? And I have to go sort of reverse engineer mm-hmm. the story. Right, right. That way. Because when I think yeah. about it, like I imagine like, and this is just coming from me and, and just my craziness, but like, I imagine like a board on the wall that you would see like in a detective scene where they're trying to figure out like <laughs> a mystery or something or a murder. And it's like a string with a, with a, a, a pit push pin, like all over, like, and they're just going crazy. Cause I don't know if I'd be able to, to keep like everything in order. So it's gotta be like, the the creative process especially doing the project solo where you're not working with a team like yeah like keeping all that in order has got to be a little chaotic it can be i do i do outlines like crazy like i outline and outline and outline and that usually makes it so that when i'm going to write dialogue and do layouts um the story is like pretty nailed down um i still i just grabbed this that you might appreciate this is a thing i stole Mm. from uh matt wagner uh, does it like does something similar to this where it's like oh, this is great for for podcasting but cool. <laughs> I'm holding up a sheet of paper yeah. and on the sheet of paper it shows the 22 pages of a comic book all yeah. laid out on a single sheet so you can sit there and be like okay page one I can just write out like what happens and then page two and three I can write out what happens and I can actually okay. see like how it flows you know as a as a single issue and so I usually go through like you know, three or four drafts of just that, of like breaking down an issue and trying to rearrange which scenes go where and like how the scenes sort of um, affect what comes next and stuff like that. When it's, you're doing that though, like one of the things that I always struggle with and why I realized I couldn't be a writer is that everything feels like it needs to serve the plot or keep driving it. And mm-hmm. like one of my favorite scenes, and there's multiple of these, but mm-hmm. this one stands out to me is. In issue one, when when Howard's walking by the boys, and the mm-hmm. one's like, uh, "Do you have any Viagra? I'm sure you have Viagra." <laughs> and then the the other boys like, uh, "Viagra? That's stupid question." <laughs> <laughs> so like, how do you decide to to work that stuff in? Is that conscious? Do you feel like there has to be a a break or a comedic sort of interlude, or or like, how do you work those in? I feel like I could never do that. Well, like that, like that specific example was me going like, just like playing the scene through in my head. Like, how would something like this go? And like these, these kids are like, I imagine that they were about 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. And um, I know from my experience with 14 or 15 year olds, like they say really dumb stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and stuff uh. that like their friends would hear and be like, that was really dumb. (laughs) So like, that was basically like, what was, what's a dumb thing this kid would say to an old man? And then how would his friends react to that? You know, funny though. (laughs) Yeah. I think you nailed it. And there's multiple scenes like that, that that don't like move the plot along crazy, but they're just, 
I, I don't know, comic relief. And they, they just were perfect for me. I was just busting up laughing at those. But the thing oh, about them awesome. is that they help build the, build the world, right? Mm-hmm. It gives mm-hmm. you a sense of, of the characters and uh, the personalities. And what, like, I, I would just, it's almost like I'd be writing an essay. There'd be, there'd be no cool bits in my comic book at all. <laughs> <laughs> for me, like, I don't know. That's the stuff that I really, really like are those like um, small moments. You know, yeah. like the stuff where a person can, um, there was a thing I was reading years ago about um, writing, I think it was about writing screenplays. And they were talking about having scenes where your characters um, meet a dog and just have like, then they, this was just like a random, ex- like a, or an example of something you could do. But it's just like the idea of you set your character down, a dog comes up to them. How do they react to a dog? And you can learn so much about the person because if they're like, scared of the dog that's like one thing if they're like mean to the dog when nobody's watching you know it's like those actually that's i guess that was the thing now that i'm saying it out loud (laughs) i'm remembering this thing it was about this character like interacting with with something where no one else can see so it's like them expressing their true self and i love like like all those all those things where it's like you can give a character a moment to be like to show who they are you know yeah yeah. One of the things that I loved in this story specifically um, was the relationship, and in Lonesome Hunters, is the relationship between um, Howard and Lupe mm. and uh, the loneliness and the, and the grief and trauma that they have, uh, that they share. Like, what, when you're writing a story and you have ideas like that, I think another one is that I felt throughout here was uh, cowardice and bravery kind of keep popping them, those themes come up. When you're writing a story and you have those ideas, how do you work them into the story? Like, I, I don't know if that makes any sense. Ray, can you ask that better? Or do you understand what I'm what I'm saying? <laughs> I th- I think I understand what you're saying because it's a question of like, well, I I it's a question of sort of like, how do I reinforce the themes? Yes, of the story through like the plot of the story. Yeah, and I think like. With Lonesome Hunters in particular, like it's sort of like the theme is like, well, there's a there's a bunch of themes that are going through it. Um, and one of two any of, any closer? Am I way off? No, no, I think that's like one of the one of the main things that I was thinking about when I very first started putting together this the story was just generational trauma, mm-hmm. and it was kind of um, it was kind of inspired by just talking to my mom about my grandpa. And um, just talking about things about my grandpa that were really messed up and, and sort of my mom being like, you know what? What? Like, and telling me a story about my grandpa was born in like 1910 or something like that, 1912, maybe. And um, when he was like 13 or something, his parents picked up and moved to Mexico from, from Utah. They moved to Mexico. And he didn't want to go, so he just ran out into the woods and hid. And his parents were like, well, I guess we're leaving without Thoas and went to Mexico. And it's like, you can, like, once you start, like, seeing that, you can be like, oh, like, the stuff that he did as a, you know, 50 and 60-year-old man start to make way more sense, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I, I was really thinking about, like, that and how, um, oh, man, and the other stuff I was thinking about, was just like uh, I was. There was something I was reading or or something where somebody was talking about child mortality 
Mm-hmm. And how like when my grandpa was a like was a young man, like childhood mortality was like still close to like fifty percent, you know, especially like in the like rural west mm-hmm. of America, like you would um like and there was a Mormon like all my extended family's all Mormon, so they all have like fifty kids, which means that like they had a hundred kids and fifty of them mm. died, and it's like. Mm. It's like, <laughs> how yeah. do you like, how do you live with that? And like the effects of that trauma and the way those, those people like would inflict their own trauma on their own children. And then those children grow up and are now traumatized by their parents and are going to, you know, take out something, some kind of new trauma on their children and like keep it going. So that's, that was really where I got started with, with Lonesome Hunters was thinking about that stuff. And that was sort of where, um, where Howard came in. And part of the inspiration of why he's so old, too, was that he sort of had a chance to really see generations develop and mm. see, see how things develop over a greater amount of time than, than most people can. Yeah. Do you think, uh, that, or in what ways are like trauma and, and grief associated with loneliness? Do you think that, that those drive us to loneliness because they make us feel alone? That's a really good question because I mean, so much of like because all trauma is so unique. Like even if even if we share one, uh, like my wife and I lost our first daughter on the day she was born, mm. and there's p- plenty of people who have that experience, but ours is a unique story. Like no one else is, was Ruth; it it went the yeah. same way we did, and so you feel alone in your trauma. Mm. Uh, and I was just kind of curious, like to what extent that plays out with Howard and Lupe because. I, I I also find uh, that with trauma and the loneliness that comes with it, the most important thing is just to, ha- to have a listener mm-hmm. and like and just engaging with you. And my absolute favorite scene that you wrote in this whole entire two two volumes so far, well, almost two, was when Lupe is talking about anime. And mm-hmm. Howard's literally just listening and engaging and involved and asking questions. And all of a sudden you don't feel alone because someone's just listening to you, like actively yeah. listening. Yeah. 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 I think, man, yeah, it's so like messed up because <laughs> like loneliness mm-hmm. is like, uh, it's like a source of trauma and it's like a trauma augmenter, you know? Yeah. And, that's one of the things that's like so important to me in, in Lonesome Hunters is just how Howard and Lupe, and there's a scene in the very first issue where they sort of meet in the stairwell of their apartment building. Mm, I love that scene. And it's like, my intent with that, and I don't, I hope it comes across, but my intent with that was just that these two people see each other and look in each other's eyes and they, they know, you know, and know. there's like, yeah. they're like, this person is a, um, Oh man, what do they call it? Like my bosom, my bosom companion. <laughs> like yes. this is a fellow traveler, and they <laughs> yeah. can see it in each other's eyes. That that mm-hmm. loneliness. Yeah, and uh, and so when when Lupe needs help, she goes to the one person she's had a connection with. And um, I thought that that scene was so powerful too, because immediately when Lupe's uh, uncle's yelling at her mm-hmm. when Howard turns and the grimace in his face because he's so mad at the way he's <laughs> treating her like immediately. I mean, it was just so well done. It captured the emotion and I felt it because I, I don't know if this is right or, or totally off base or a wrong way to uh, say it or, or um, uh, 
insensitive, but sometimes, at least for me, I felt like my tra- I could trauma can sense trauma, and you have like mm-hmm. almost an immediate connection, and uh, you could just see that with them like right away, like you were kind of saying, like they paired pretty quickly mm-hmm. and cared for each other rather quickly, and it was just so well. I loved it. I don't know. Well, thanks. Yeah, like I think, um, like when I was working on this story originally, I had like a really good sense of who Howard was. And um, it took me a long time to find who Lupe was. And it wasn't until um, I just started to see like ways that you could have um, someone with, with something similar but almost opposite and how these two people would fit together. I mean, in ways that like, you know, Howard, um, like Howard doesn't know how to engage with modern society very well. <laughs> Lupe's yeah. much better at that. But um, Howard actually knows more about the world than Lupe does just because Lupe is so young. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, there's ways that they sort of complement each other. And, like, you know, the the scene you were talking about earlier where where Lupe is talking about anime, that's like, um, like, Howard probably has never even, like, seen an anime. (laughs) I mean, they they actually talk about it in a little bit in the... And in issue the two, second right? volume. Yeah. Wa- are they watching it at, at the hotel room? Yeah, they're room? watching it in yeah. the hotel room. Yeah. And he's like, I thought this would be more like a <laughs> Disney movie. <laughs> yeah. But the funny thing about that, that what I love is that, 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 that connection that they open themselves up to leads to a really cool moment for Howard when he has that revelation about his mom, who probably was sad mm-hmm. and not just angry. And like, that's that, that's that what we were kind of talking about that ability to, to just listen and share, which lends itself to, to like, who else is, is how we're going to have that with, you know? I mean, it was just such a cool moment for them. Well, thanks. Yeah. Well, and you can also see like both of them, like their world is opening up through their relationship. It's like Lupe yeah. is sort of getting out into the world and seeing stuff outside the city that she's never seen. And Howard is like learning about anime, which is something he didn't even and know cell existed. Phones. <laughs> yeah, and cell phones. And cell phones, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's that like that, that fight, like friendship, friendship and love is like the, the thing that will get you through. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Were you going to say something? Yeah, no. So um, a while ago through work, I got to sit in on this conference with this big um, uh, writer. He just writes books. Mm-hmm. And um, he was going through like, as he's like, kind of like the art of storytelling and, and crafting a story. And he mentioned, uh, and it stood out to me, especially with comics. Um, he mentioned like, you have to have good characters, make them relatable. Um have a a conflict, uh, say something like important in the story and then, um, resolve it in like not a traditional way. So I, we haven't seen that part of it yet, but when I heard those words and then like, when I read your book too, like all of it like fits in there, like your characters are incredible. I can relate to them. I love them. There's conflict. You're saying important stuff. Like, so when you're going through crafting like this story, like, do you have like a list like that of stuff you want to make sure you're hitting on there? Or are you, you know, like, how do you set that up or are you just winging it? Um, I'm more winging it. Like I, I definitely have like a, um, like I said, I have a target that I'm shooting for with, with the story, but everything is like, um, it's like a controlled fall. almost. It's like, yeah. I kind of know where I want to land, but I have to like, I have to like, just follow it through from the beginning to the end. Like I, um, like, cause there's a lot of stuff too that I have that I think is going to happen in the stories. Mm-hmm. 
that um, once I'm writing it, don't make sense. It's like once I have, once I've followed the the sort of events from the beginning to end, and I've established the characters, and I know what the characters want and what they're trying to achieve. It's like there's lots of times where stuff that I thought was going to happen just gets thrown out the thrown out the window, mm. and it's like their own. Like you know, that's the thing that it's the corny thing that everyone says, where it's like the characters will tell me what what mm, they want to do. Yeah, and yeah, like, there's a lot sense. of that that happens. Um, but I also like, um, you know, like, especially in the second volume, I'm trying to set up a lot of things that are going to happen, you know, down the line. Um, yes. And, uh, and it's like those things, it's like, those are also changing. <laughs> like the setup is changing. It's like, everything's like in flux because like, um, I don't know. I'm just trying to make it feel as like real of a, thing as possible and it's like yeah i guess a good example is like when i'm drawing stuff lots of times i'll have an idea for like what a pose will be and i'll do like a little sketch for it for like i'll do my thumbnail sketches and i'll have the pose sort of worked out and then um i'll do a thing where i'll set up a camera and i'll like do a photo of myself in that pose just as a photo reference and it's always like completely different you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like the, I have this very clear pose in my head, but then when I go to physically do it, it's like, wow, like that's I didn't know I didn't know that's what it would actually look like. Yeah. You know? So um, and it's the same with writing. It's like I have this idea in my head, but once I start like working my way through the through the story, it's like it it becomes something usually pretty different. I don't know if that really answers your question. No, I no, guess the, yeah. The only other part to that, I guess, is that I'm not like Especially with Lonesome Hunters, I'm not super um, interested in resolving everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I really kind of want it to be a messy story. Like, I want um, to reflect I want it to life. feel like real life. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. I want it to be yeah. like people will come through and they will we'll have learned a lesson, but sometimes they're going to learn the wrong lesson, you know? Yeah. And sometimes and- they're, they're going to be worse off for having gone through the, this mm. trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. He even mentioned that too. Like in, in this conference I was at, he even said like, you know, if you don't resolve it in a tr- traditional, like, yeah, don't resolve it in a traditional way or don't even resolve it at all. Like just leave it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I think you nail that though for, I, I love it. Did you ever watch um, A History of Violence, the movie? It sounds super familiar. I don't think I've ever seen it. it. Um, it's got the the dude... Who played Strider in Lord of the Rings in it? But anyway, the the I'm gonna. I think I know I'm, what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh no! It, it just occurred to me. I was just about to totally spoil the movie. Go right. <laughs> I, I'm okay with spoilers. We're a spoil okay. show. Everyone who <laughs> listens knows. Okay. Anyone who's listening, I'm gonna spoil the ending to um, a history of violence. Okay. At the very very end of the movie, this is diff- a different ending from the from the comic. But at the end of the movie. After like, it's basically the story of a guy who's a who's an ex mobster who has quit the mob and then started a family and had some kids and like gone on to have this sort of like normal life, um, but he gets you know dragged back into the mafia life and has to um, go basically kill a bunch of people. Does he beat a bunch of guys up in like a spa in one of the scenes? Maybe, maybe. I think I, I know what you're talking about. I almost only remember the ending because the ending was just so good where it's like he goes through all this stuff and there's the scene at the end where his wife knows that he just went through and killed a bunch of people and you know did a bunch of terrible awful violent things and they both sit down at the kitchen table 
and are looking at each other. And he just looks her at, at her and he's like, what do we do now? And it's like credits roll. <laughs> you oh know, they, like they never say what they do now. They just yeah, like yeah. set it up. And it's like, that's, that's just so good. Like that's, I mean, that's like, life is like that every five minutes. It's like, what do we do now? And then five minutes later, it's like, oh crap, what do we do now? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and Lonesome Hunters and, and creating the world and kind of wanting to tell a little bit of a story about, you know, like you were saying, generational trauma and how it impacts you and, and loneliness. How did you decide to incorporate magic? Um, a lot of that was just because I wanted it to be a comic book. And yeah. um, I wanted to have something, you know, like one of the things that comics is really good at is just show, sort of showing you stuff that, that you can't really see otherwise. Um, yeah. so, I mean, that was, that was really why I wanted it to be magic. And well, and also I like, um, like I'm not a huge Buffy, the vampire slayer, but, um, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff in Buffy that like when it was hitting for me, it was like hitting mm-hmm. for me. Totally. And I think everybody knows like, what was it? Was it season? I don't know which season it was. There was one season where they just like had all these bangers one after the other. And it was like, um, it was stuff where like the the horror elements worked just beautifully as metaphors for you know some normal person life thing that was also going on at the time in the in the yeah. story and um and I think that was that was a big um influence in why I wanted to do that was like with the horror stuff you could have these monsters to that sort of functioned as metaphors and as um you know, stand-ins for the for the problem that the characters are facing. Yeah. That leads to a, a, a good question we got in our Discord group was, uh, what role does magic play in this world? And is it evil, good, or neutral and depend, dependent upon the user? It's very neutral, I think. So it totally depends on the, the user. Like the magic can sort of um, go any way you want. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like... I, and the the rules for the magic in the world are sort of intentionally vague, but it's like a lot of um, it's a lot of it is sort of like tied to um, the earth and like um, well, because they're right now they're on their 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 road trip is to go see um, Mother Nature, I think it was. Yeah, Litha. That's yeah, like, Litha. Yeah, 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 and yeah, and can you? I don't. I don't want you to spoil anything. But the the dude who who at least it seems like was the original sword bearer who's who is now awoken. Mm-hmm. Can you give us any insight into that character at all? <laughs> and Ooh. can you tell me what it means when he says the great stone is is yeah, waking such up? Such a mysterious character, but I love that character. Yeah, that, that might be too spoilery to tell you too okay. much about okay. that guy. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but that scene where he's at the 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 riverbed with the deer. I love it. Thanks. Yeah. He's a man. He's, I think he's a fun character. I can't wait to like actually take the time to tell everybody about him. Yeah. Actually, I feel like that about all the characters that I'm sort of like introducing or I'm like, I can't wait to like, we get to like dig into these guys and, and learn all about them. Cause I think they'll be fun. Um, Ray, I, I feel like I'm doing all the talking. I have like a thousand more questions, but do you, do you, <laughs> you want to jump in? No, I just love all the characters. And I think I, I could be totally way off on this, like in, in different, in all the, like you have the group, um, 
chasing Howard down from the church, right? Those three, mm-hmm. those three guys that are coming after him. And then you have the group of hunters that are out like looking for the wolf. Mm-hmm. And in each group, there's like a one a character skeptic. that's kind of like the skeptic character that they're like, I don't I know if we him. should be doing this. And, <laughs> and I think it's hilarious. And I love those characters. Like, like what was your thought process going in with, with that? Like, was there one or were you just like, yeah, well, my thought is like that those guys are, so they're sort of based on, um, ways that I've seen people interact with their religions, mm-hmm. you know, and like, like I, I've mentioned earlier, it's like most of my family is, is Mormon and my family, like my, my parents and stuff were ex Mormon. Like we were, we were Mormon until I was about a, a, a tween ager and, um, <laughs> And, really uh, quick, not to interrupt. I'm really sorry about Ray's video. It looks like he's like lagging about two to three minutes behind. So <laughs> I, know, I hope it's not too distracting. Mine's clear. I am clear so on my side. trying not to look at, at Ray's <laughs> face because he's like in my slow bad. motion. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it looks like that. It's, it's That's wild. terrible. Mine's coming through clean. That's so terrible. <laughs> um. But so those three guys, <laughs> those, don't look at it. Those three guys are based on just ways that I've seen people interact with their, with their faith, where it's like, you can sort of, there's people who are religious because they, you know, in their heart, they really feel this love for this, for this faith. And then there's people who are religious because um, it gives them an excuse to be a bully, you know, and there's people who are religious because they don't. Well, these, I guess I'm giving it away a little bit, but then there's, there's people who are religious because they never even questioned it. You know, they never mm-hmm. even thought about it. They just sort of, um, go, gone with the flow. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I like those characters either way. I think they're great. Like, I think they like break it up a little bit and like, I'm always like, dude, I love this character. Like he's seems like he's like, he's got something, but no one wants to listen to him. You know, that's awesome. That's like, yeah, I like those characters a lot too. And I like how, um, well, you know, I like how everybody in this book, like nobody is prepared for what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. everybody sort of is going in thinking one thing. It's like the old, um, uh, what do you call that? A parable of the, of the blind men meeting an elephant where one of them touches yeah. the leg and it's like, oh, an elephant is shaped like a, the mighty oak. And another one touches mm-hmm. the trunk and they're like, oh, an elephant is shaped like a snake. And um, like no one can quite see the whole elephant yet. And yeah. when they are, when they do, that's going to be pretty shocking. Yeah. That scene at the, the diner though, or that, that one, that one dude's <laughs> I love like, it. and he's just asking <laughs> honest questions with the others. Like, dude, yeah. <laughs> dude, we don't do that. Yeah, we don't yeah. ask questions here. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love it. Another, uh, to take us back to a second to the magic. Another question we got on Instagram was, about the magic was the role of masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause they saw early on that the magpie queen was, was wearing a pretty awesome mask and the mm-hmm. wolf boy is wearing a, a mask. And so they were curious what role masks were playing for you. That's sort of inspired by a lot of, um, well, a lot of cultures, but probably most specifically a lot of North American um, indigenous cultures and, um, you know, religious rites and ceremonies where you put on a mask and you become the, like, if you put on a, a magpie mask, you become a magpie, you know, for yeah. the, for the purposes of whatever ceremony. And, um, so a lot of it was sort of inspired by that, but then also the idea of, um, of like, 
just people not being who they who they are, like not really showing mm. showing their their true self, or them sort of taking on personalities that aren't mm. um, you know innate in, inside of them to become someone else. And I guess I guess that's the source of a lot of the magic so far in the story is just people sort of being like, you know, I don't have this thing in me, but if I put on this mask, I can become mm. this thing that I that I want to become. Yeah. And that's sort of a source of power for them. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that another question we had, um, and we can kind of blaze through these, but, um, and I actually, I asked this question too, like what genre would you consider this? Cause a lot of people are saying, oh, it's horror. Um, cause it does have some horror elements, mm-hmm. but it's got a lot, you know, it's got the magic, it's got fantasy elements with the magic and, and um, maybe like adventure. Um, what, what would you kind of, that's a good question. I, I think I would call it like horror fantasy, just sort of like combine the two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some people have described it as urban horror fantasy, mm. which, um, I don't know why that sort of works, but it kind of works because like, they're not like they're in the city in the first volume, I guess they're yeah, kind of yeah. out in the country now. Yeah. So like. I don't know how urban it is, but yeah, it's like a, yeah, like a content contemporary fantasy horror. I don't know. Well, I don't know. What either way, like, <laughs> and I've always never been a huge horror genre guy, but it might mm-hmm. switch if this is the horror genre because this is, you know, like Kyle and I said, it's one of my favorites. Um, I even recently started reading Harrow County. And even oh, though nice. it's um, definitely kind of out of my, like what I usually read, mm-hmm. I, I, I love it. Like, some of the landscapes that you you did in that book, I was just like, "This is it right here!" Like I could read this all day. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Um, yeah, so re- really cool. Yeah, I think uh, I think well, like the thing with Har- Harrow County and Lonesome Hunters both is that they're like they're horror, but they're also like there's a sort of a sweetness and like a kindness yes, I think to like them and genuine. I think that yeah, that's, yeah. Um, that's something like Cullen Bunn, the writer of Harrow County, I think. Um, really appreciates in horror and um and i definitely do too like i don't i don't know i guess like another example of something like that might be like pan's labyrinth mm-hmm. have you ever seen that like yeah, that's yeah. sort of like horror but with a you know fantasy, sort of a yeah yeah fantasy but also like there's sort of a, a kindness about about it um that i i really like you yeah. yeah so i think that's different than a lot of horror stuff because there's a lot of horror stuff that is like just about being as brutal as it possibly can. Yeah, yeah. No, no. And like, especially like with Lara, Lonesome Hunters, I'm trying to be as brutal as I can, but like always sort of as a, you know, towards a goal. Like it's not brutality just for the sake of like trying to show somebody with like their spleen getting ripped out or whatever. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm trying to like, I'm yeah. trying to, you know, I'm trying to get, make a point with it. You know? Right, right. Yeah. Or at least explore an idea with it. Um, another question we had, uh, and I know we're getting close on time here, but was when you're when you're um, laying out your story, how do you how do you do the paneling? Like, how do you decide? <clears throat> is that beforehand you kind of lay it out in a panel that you want? Do you follow a grid or a, or an, like a mm-hmm. template and make it fit in that, or is it kind of just as you're going, you kind of lay it out how it fits? It's, it's um, the free fall. He's free falling and just yeah, it's a free fall. It is like. <laughs> It's a, it can be tough. I mean, one of the things that, um, one of the things with like 
laying out a comic book page is that it's just like there's so much that goes into it because there's like you know the character design there's the character acting there's the staging Mm -hmm. it's like you know how you sort of put different characters you know facing each other or facing away from each other there's all like how they're moving around the room or whatever and then there's like how you travel from one panel to the next to the next to the next and what I try really, really hard to do is to um, try to just do one step at a time and let things sort of like adjust as much as they can. Lots of times I'm doing, I'm doing my final dialogue writing as I'm doing like a thumbnail layout. And I'm sort of using that to, to help me decide how I need to break up some panels um, based on like how the dialogue is going to flow. And then I'm also like, trying to balance because I, I try to do the thing where it's like the most important panel on a page is usually the largest um mm-hmm. not always but usually and because it just gives the reader you know it tells them like this is the most important thing on the page mm-hmm. and um yeah so it's just it's really really hard and i have like a lot of different sort of things that i do like sometimes sometimes when i'm laying out a page i'll be like okay I got this idea in my head. I'm pretty sure it's going to be five panels. I think panel two is going to be the most important. And I'll just like sort of try to make panels that are the size of importance basically on the page. Mm -hmm. And then I'll figure out how to stage the characters within those. Sometimes I'll actually pull out post-it notes and do each panel and I'll figure out how I'm going to stage each panel on a post-it. And once I see that and I can understand it, then I know how I can fit it onto the page together. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a, it's a mess, man. <laughs> to tell you the truth, it's a total mess. <laughs> like, there's no, like, one way through that because it is, like, it's a really, like, complex puzzle sometimes. And it's, oh, and yeah. the goal is, is always just for the reader to be, like, shoop, 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 and just read it all, <laughs> yeah. like, like, effortlessly, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's that old Ernie Bushmiller thing where it's, like, he, he wanted, he wanted to make strips where a comic strip that you couldn't look at and not read because just looking at it, you would read it without even, you know, without even yeah. trying. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm really yeah. trying a, a lot of that, but also there's, and there's, I'm also trying to fit in subtext. You know, once I start drawing like the, the tighter pencils of a, of a page, I'm starting to figure out how I want things to, to flow a little bit and how like pushing compositions a little bit more to like express sort of, uh, you know, whatever meaning I want out of that. Like if the character's really small, feeling small, I'll draw them small in the panel and, you know, stuff like that. And it's, um, yeah, there's just so much. It's like, it's, it's, it's hard. <laughs> I just, oh, I just I try to break it down imagine. into yeah. a, one piece at a time as best as I can. I have a, hmm. like, I'm looking for, okay, right here. This page, it's the, it's issue four of, um, volume one like how did you decide on this on this bottom panel that it was just going to be a shot of lupe looking up at the sky so she's in the car and then she looks up and like i just like it gave me a moment to pause Mm -hmm. like she's pausing on the road with howard and like i sat there just looking at it and i was like oh (laughs) i should probably turn the page but then it put me in in that position with her is that thoughtful or was that i don't know how to ask this in a right way so if this is you know or were you just like i need to kind of it's not going to work to put in the mm-hmm. next panel here, so I'm going to do uh, well, a I sky think, shot. Like that one was, 
um, one, I wanted to take a, I wanted to, there to be a moment yeah, of like, like, well, like I think with, with every, with every story. And I think like, people have criticized um, a lot of my stuff for this. He's saying that it's like paced unevenly. And I think because it isn't just like thing, 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 thing. It's like, yeah. I like thing, thing, thing. And then I really like to have like a moment where the characters and the reader can both sort of reflect on, on where they're at. And that moment. Well, that's is, literally what happened to me yeah, on that scene. That's awesome. <laughs> so well done. Yeah. And like that moment in particular is also sort of the moment where Howard and Lupe have sort of teamed up and they've gotten in this car and they've gone out of the city. And it's like, that's the moment where things are for Lupe are really opening up. Like the world has gotten so much bigger all of a sudden. It's like wow. now she's in a world where there's, where there's magic and there's this old guy who knows something about it. And like, <laughs> And they're like off on this adventure. And she just like is taking this moment to be like, the world is like the world is a lot bigger now. Yeah. So that, that was sort yeah. of the the intention of that. Well, I, th- I think the intention came through, at least for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, nice. Um, right on. <laughs> no, that's amazing. That's like, I don't know. It's always so, so satisfying when like people describe what I've done on a comic book page and it's like exactly what I wanted it to do because I'm always just like you never know you never know it's like because you're speaking in a language that is like you know every comic book has a slightly different language and you never know if like you're actually communicating to the readers you know in a language that they can read um I know. Please just like give me like some sort of hand signal when you're like, we really got to end this. I, I could <laughs> okay. sit here and chat with you for another whole day. Two more questions yeah. and then we'll let you go. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm really, I'm really not in any rush, so we're good. Okay, cool. As a creator, when when you're doing this stuff, and and I think especially for this, is probably a lot of there's a lot of personal stuff you're putting into this. Mm-hmm. How how do you put it out there? <laughs> and like deal like you're saying you get some criticism and stuff like how do you push through that and continue to create um i struggle with that just even doing this show sometimes like embarrassed to to have people on or or listen to it because i'm like i I don't know so i'm just curious as a creator uh how you deal with that um it can be really really hard i mean the days like when wolf child number one came out like that day I was like a wreck. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. like, and I wasn't even like, it's like not even, I not even know why I was a wreck exactly. Like I just was like, yeah, it's just that this book is something that I really, really love. And I, mm. I want, um, I want people to like it so badly and it's, it's, it can be hard to, to put it out there. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I think, <laughs> well, you know, like I feel I've been, fe- well, I've been feeling for a number of years, just very much like, um, like, I don't know. I always feel weird talking about this because it sounds like weird, but like I, um, we can, we can edit it out or okay. stop talking about it if you want. Well, well, I started, I started doing like, I decided that I was going to do this book. I'd been messing around with this story for years and years. And then my sister died. And mm-hmm. she had a brain aneurysm and just like oh. one day she woke up and was like, I have a really bad headache. And then like two hours later, she was, she was dead. Mm. And, um, and there was like really nothing, you know, there no warning or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like ever since that has happened, I've like really felt um, like, 
like I could go anytime, you know, mm-hmm. it's like that. It's, it's a very life in general has felt very risky. And, um, no. and at, sort of as a result, I was like, when I started working on this book, particularly, I was like, you know, I really need to make this be something that is important to me because if I died, you know, this week, I would want to know that I tried to do this story. Right. And even if, even if I don't pull it off in the end, I wanted it, I wanted to at least, you know, you know, reach for that gold ring and, and try to get it done. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it is, it's, it's, it's awful to put, to put out something <laughs> yeah. that feels so personal and is so like, you know, like if people are like, oh, this, this book sucks, then it's like, well, that's the, that's my most personal thing I've yeah, ever right. told anyone. Yeah. You, yeah. You're saying I suck. Right. But, um, but I don't know. I, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at like sort of not caring about um, criticism from people that, um, that don't get the story or well, like if, it, if it's not somebody that I would, I would go to and ask personally, right, then I'm right. not like super concerned. And like at the end of the day, like the only way I can, I can get anything done is if I'm doing it um, to fulfill something inside myself. Like if I'm doing it mm-hmm. for, for external validation, that's sort of like a, you mm. know, that's a recipe for disaster. Mm. So I'm do, trying to do it for, do this book for me, but, um, but it's hard. Yeah. Cause I, ha- you know, I have a lot of other stories sort of, um, that are brewing and are on the back burner right now that are less, less personal, but I decided I wanted to pursue this one first just because, uh, yeah, it felt important to me. Yeah. Mm. Um, was it hard to write the, the Lupe mom bit then to draw oh, yeah. that? Oh yeah. yeah I, bet. <laughs> yeah, I was I... like, and there was a lot of, you know, questioning, like, should I, should I even do this? Is this like too callous to like mm. sort of dredge that, um, but again, like I was one of the thing that was that I was doing for me. Like it just felt like mm-hmm. um, it felt like I wanted to sort of face that yeah. in a way through through the story. You know, mm. well, and it's funny because you see so much of how it made Lupe, and I'm sure in in, in your own, you know, that that story made so much of who you are. Yeah, and so you can yeah. see yourself a little bit in in that story of Lupe. Yeah, no, there's definitely some lines in um in the second story arc that like lupe um says that are definitely like choke me up every time because i'm like that's exactly how i felt and i'm finally Mm -hmm. i have this way to say it now you know yeah yeah well thanks for sharing that with us um that's um your your storytelling through this book has been awesome and incredible for both kyle and i like we can really feel the emotion i think that went into it just from reading That's it, right. I, we've had multiple people reach out to us and they're like, because you guys were talking about this on the show, like I picked it up and I'm so glad I did. I love it. And so, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's been awesome to sit here and chat with you. Um, and yeah, I, I just can't say enough. I'm just, that's, we appreciate you. Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And thanks yeah. so much for like getting the word out and stuff, you know, like, oh, you guys like, everybody like you guys do these podcasts and it's not like it's a lot of work yeah yeah i just really appreciate that you guys do this so much work just out of you know love for for the art form and stuff that yeah. you get it out there it means a lot i could i could do a, a whole second show just asking you a thousand questions but as kind of an ender uh is, what can we look forward to what can the our 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 listeners look forward to for Lonesome Hunters, more volumes, 
Uh, what the heck is going to happen to the wolf now that it has the we got, sword? We only got is a couple Lupe weeks. Gonna, is Lupe going <laughs> to... In what way is Lupe impacted by having held the sword? Anyway, just what can people look forward to uh, coming forward from the story for you? Um, people can look forward to things getting worse before they get better. Mm. Um, and oh, no, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got and like we two can, weeks, I think, for issue four. Yeah. And we'll see more uh, Mecha Saber Gemini. Yes. And um, yeah, and we'll find out who the hairy dude is who lives out in the woods. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks, Tyler. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for for sharing us with a little bit of your process uh, and a little bit of Lonesome Hunters. We love it. We love your work. Uh, Thanks for spending the time with us. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, we appreciate you. And uh, good luck moving forward. And we can't wait for the rest of it. Rad. Well, dude, that was fun. That was so fun. Like uh, bucket list. You can put a check by that bad boy. Yeah. Um. I was nervous. I was nervous. I was but we real made nervous. It. Um. I did better than we thought we we would do. Tyler, uh, so great to have you on, and um, it, it was it was super fun. So, yeah. I hope we can do it again. Yeah, definitely. For all those listening, um, go check out Lonesome Hunters. Uh, you can pick up the first volume. Uh, trades are everywhere. Pick them up. Yeah. And then, um, volume two is about to finish. I think issue four comes out in a couple weeks. I think it's like yep. the twenty fifth. Mm-hmm. And um, so definitely go pick it up. Check it out. You're going to love it. Uh, fantastic story. Art is fantastic. Um, go follow him as well over on Instagram. Um, and on also YouTube. Does, got yeah, cool does a YouTube lot of show. stuff on YouTube uh, where he's uh, live drawing and, and um, painting. Fantastic. Yeah. So definitely yeah. check him out. Just a shout out to, to our friends over on our Discord channel and on Instagram for, for sending questions. Uh, it was fun to get to ask those. Oh, and, yeah. And Tyler yeah, was, cool. was nice enough to to answer them. Um, but yeah, dude, that was fun. It's so fun. I learned a lot. Oh, ton. I loved his answer to to the the pressures of being a creator. I thought that was I thought that was really a good answer from him. Yeah, we had a great time. It was great. So yeah. And uh yeah, we'll just be we'll be hanging in the lair next week, chatting all of our all the reads we get. I, I've got a list that's we're brewing gonna be catching now. up. Yeah, we're gonna have to catch yeah. up for a couple of weeks, so I'm excited. Yeah, and if you're in Discord, let us know what you've been reading, what you've been jamming, and if you got to make it to the New York Comic Con, we'd love to know how that went for you too. Ross has been having fun over there. I've been watching Ross, his videos. Yeah, so. I've been watching your videos, Ross. Love it. Keep them coming. So yeah, we'll be hanging, chatting comics. Come hang out with us next Monday. But anyway, buddy, how can people follow us? Keep up with all we got going on. Yeah, definitely um, subscribe to our show wherever you're jamming your podcast. We appreciate that. Um, spread the spread the news of the lair around town. Get it going. Throw up some flyers. Go to the local <laughs> library. Put something out. We'll send you some cards, whatever. You know, we'll send you some cards you can throw in your local comic shop even. Just uh, reach yeah. out to us. Um, check us out over on Instagram, the comic book lair. See what we're getting into. Um, head on over to our Discord if you want to further uh, join conversation. Uh, come meet us. Come say hi. Um, we'd love to meet you see what you're reading see what you're getting into and like always keep reading comics cowabunga nerds Like the sound of the Comic Book Layer podcast? 
Our audio production is provided by Rosecat Audio. Check out Rosecat Audio at rosecataudio.com. R-O-S-E-K-A-T audio.com.